For Thelma. My name is Kelly Wan. I'm here with Tom Chick, who has a Thelma tagline for us. Still interested. Oh, you card. Is there a second tagline, Tom? By any there chance? is. Actually, Kelly Wan, there are three taglines for, for Thelma. The second one, you ready for this one? Uh-huh. It's going to involve a sound effect. Here we go. Thelma is the warmest color. Uh, you've come so far. Is there a uh, – gee, I can't believe you would follow that up with a third, but is there a third tagline for Thelma, Tom Chit? Kelly, what? I saved the best for last. Uh. Here we go. It's like Firestarter meets Tatane, but not weird. <laughs> it's pretty weird. But, but not as weird as so. Tatane. That's true. Tom, stop smoking that bong. <laughs> that's uh, not me. That's you, Kelly Wand. What? No, it's not. Don't don't trick the li- don't troll the listeners with foolishness. That's not what they, <laughs> what never they came do that. to listen to. <laughs> getting back to the Thelma business, the movie Thelma was directed by Joaquin Trier and written mm. by Joaquin Trier and Eskel Vogt. Ah. It I said, do you think that you say that? So I was tempted to just say vote because, you know, I speak English and we ignore G's. But I think you're actually supposed to say the V. I think you're supposed to pronounce it like Vakt. I think you're supposed to like slip it in there like a subtle G. English? Wait, Americans ignore G's? Yeah, like enough. Uh, like you have right. to put an A when there's an H. It's like V-O-G-T. How do you say that? I just want to ignore the – I want to say it's I just a silent we're G. we're ignoring it. We're just changing the sound of it. Vakt. Make sure you Eskel say the Vakt. V, the G, yeah. Film was directed by Joaquim, is that okay? Trier, that like, yeah. and written by him and Escovacht. <laughs> well, now you're going to scare people, Kelly Wand. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to make them laugh and make merry. It stars Eileen Thelma, the movie, stars Eileen Harbo, mm. Henrik Rafelson, Ellen Dorrit Peterson. <laughs> oh, she's, uh, oh, I know which character she must be then. And Kaya Wilkin. I know. It has not been rated by the MPAA. Tom, is there anything parents should know if they're considering taking their children to see Thelma, as most are? I, I think Kelly Wan parents should be alerted that there are scenes of intense allegory and improper use of a dorm window. Um, PG-13. Tom Chick, I'm a little confused by what I saw in Thelma. I have you? some questions. I'm not quite sure what happened in it. I need okay. to relive it verbally. I see. Your, in your skillful fingers and voice. Maybe I could uh, offer a, a synopsis of Thelma for you. Oh, you mean a Thelmanagibadevazopsis? Oh, you were so close. Kelly Wand, it's the Thelpsis. Oh, Okay. That sounds fun, too. Damaged goods are still goods, Tom. Well, let's see what we got. Here we go. This is the Phelpsis, Kelly Wan. This I can't wait. <clears throat> A hot foreign chick gets superpowers. Then she tricks her dad by him catching on fire. Some words tell me who did the fire, CG. The end. <laughs>
here's the issue, Kelly Warren. I wanted you to see Thelma for a very, very long time. I adore this movie. Uh, I know Dingus got to see it before he died, which means a lot, because I'm in this weird situation now where I'm seeing these movies that mean a lot to me, and I'm having to struggle and think, like, which one? Like, it's it's outrageous to me that Dingus didn't get to see Dune, for instance. Yeah. Um, like, certain things like that. But one of the things I treasure about Thelma is he did get to see it before he died, but you never got to see it, so we never got to talk about it on the podcast. Um, and when I knew that we were going to do a podcast for The Innocents, which is what we're about to do, uh, you asked me, Tom, should I watch Thelma before or after The Innocents? And I think I said something noncommittal like, eh, whatever order you want. Yeah. However, I feel like I told you wrong and that it's really important that – if you are going to watch both movies, that you watch Thelma first for reasons that we will discuss. Um, well, having I, I, not I, done it that way, I actually am satisfied with doing it the wrong way. Oh, good, good, good. Because I was worried that it would impact some of the early parts of Thelma, uh, it, that it would mess it up by sort of uh, giving you a, a hint of, of what you're in store for. No, it was similar to watching Sundown first and then going back and watching um, the – what was the depressing one? By the sundown guy you mean uh the the one State about of the, the art revolution the right, right, right the uh the the painterly uh overthrow of order what was that thing called state the of chaos state war, of the, war life <laughs> the government sucks yeah yeah power corrupts absolutely especially in mexico master uh, of chaos but yeah yes yeah, so you watched sundown first and then you watched his earlier movie about that uh civil unrest yeah, you're welcome, listeners. Look that one up when you get. <laughs> well, the director's Michael Franco. Uh, there's a movie he did with Tim Roth called Sundown that Kelly Wand and I both love, and I'm struggling to remember later. the name of his or- earlier movie that, that we also watched. Um, but yeah, very brutal political allegory about uh, power and corruption. Master of the game. It was something like that, like a Sidney Sheldon kind of title. See, yeah, yeah, but I don't remember. But just talk, anyways, to, talk amongst yourselves while I look it up. Just like keep the listeners. Well, well so busy. you got to finally see Thelma. We're going to talk about the Innocence, which is directed and written by the guy who co-wrote Thelma with Joaquin Trier. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually the podcast for the Innocence, uh, and I am Tom Chick here with Kelly Wand, who has a tagline. I hope for the Innocence, Kelly Wand. What do you got? How would you sell uh, this movie? This is what I would put on the poster. This mm-hmm. is just me. Finally, a movie with the same title as Thelma at first. <laughs> Very clever. Kelly Wood, is there a second tagline? By the way, that film's called New Order, just FYI. New Order. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How could you? Isn't that a band? Yeah. It's a band. That's how come we couldn't remember it. Right. Because exactly. it's something else. If something's called something else, you Right. Is this that. movie called I'm The just... Smiths or is it Radiohead? Right. Is it Who? Morrissey. I forget the name of the movie. Yeah, exactly. But getting back to what we were talking about. So taglines for the innocents. What's this second one? When I was a kid, telekinesis in soccer was more frowned upon. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, you would throw a yellow flag at that point, right? Yeah. Kelly, what is there a third tagline for the innocents? These things often tra- travel in threes. Finally, a kid's movie for everyone. No, I reject that. You're now that tagline. You you're just trolling me. Yeah, I reject about? that tagline. What? We're gonna Everyone get into would it. like it. We're gonna get into it. It's Is most. there a fourth tagline, Kelly? Wong? It's like a Pippi movie. It's like Pippi Longstocking. <laughs> she had oh, speaking too. of like Pippi Longstocking, I forgot to look up the rating for this, which will be a lot of fun, and I'm sure you'll think it's incomplete. Uh, 
Was it a, it had a rating? Well, it was released in the U.S. I saw it in theaters. Uh, let's see. In the U.S., it was rated. It looks like it was not rated. So, Kelly Wan, are there things parents should know before they bring their kids to see The Innocence? Which I just want to officially declare this podcast a shambles so far. But get, <laughs> getting back to what you asked me, uh, I rated it a Scandinavian G for some scenes of kids staring at each other, improper use of a cat, proper use of hot dogs and saucepan lids, and graphically upside down cinematography. All of which apply. Yeah, parents, it's very important for them to know. But more it's importantly, Kelly Wan, mm-hmm. I oh. need an – in a sopsis. Really? I thought the rating was more important. <laughs> okay. I, uh, you knew what it was called. Did I get it right in, in a sopsis? Yeah. Sweet. Sometimes it's obvious and there's only one choice. Although I've thought that before and then been told, no, what? obviously it was the film. You know how people talk. That was a spot on impression of how people talk, Kelly. We Long. love you yeah. listeners. That's how we think you sound. It's a compliment. Uh, that was just one one person. What was the question? What All happens right, so, in the innocence? <laughs> well, yeah, what what does happen? I'm actually uh, I'm a little bit clear on it. I think this time, but really, I might not be. Maybe well, you'll have to explain it to me, Tom. I have seen this movie twice. I should warn you. All right, I've seen it twice too. Aha! Uh-huh. Once to write this, so we'll see if it helped. <clears throat> the Innocopsis. Over a bit of creepy xylophone music, some words are all the Inesopsis. A little Swedish ginger girl named Ida sleeps at us for two minutes of screen time. She's in the back seat of a moving car. She finds some refrigerator magnets stuck to her window, so she eats one. The cider- what were those? Were those candy or magnets? I'm assuming gum, but it's weird the parents didn't give a shit. <laughs> and that she's grosser than Anna when it comes to her eating habits. But anyway... Beside her, her sister Anna's all. Ida tries to play a pinching game with her, but Anna's no fun. They drive to a building with a sign on it. It's upside down. (laughs) Creepy Swedish kids' upside down apartment complex for weird families. It's upside down in Swedish, those words. Beside me, Tom smirks. I'd like to see Cronenberg try to shoot Swedish architecture upside down. <laughs> All right, Kelly, why don't you lay that groundwork? We're going to get into it in two weeks. <laughs> Except, uh, Ida has some fun with a worm, then sees a sinister brown kid <laughs> named Ben. They stare at each other. I lean over to Tom and go, This movie's really tapping into my fears of Swedish kids. He's all, Oh, by the way, Ms. Marvel. <laughs> if you thought Eternals. It was a dumb fetish. <laughs> that night, Ida watches a creepy shadow in her hallway wiggle its fingers. Beside me, the Baba Duke tries to eat some popcorn with its fingers. <laughs> Next day, Ida and Ben attempt to play soccer incorrectly, but unfortunately, Sweden has only one soccer ball, and it belongs to the local bully. <laughs> His subtitles are all, This is my ball. Go away. I am Swedish bully in this. <laughs> I learned Swedish for that one, Tom. That was good. Later, I built this treehouse so I could slingshot people who were mean to me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how he sounds in Swedish. (laughs) (laughs) Ida's all, wouldn't they have just trapped you inside this treehouse? Ha! Hey, watch this. 
He shows her a coin trick that demonstrates the vagaries of Swedish gravity. She's all, you think that's cool? She bends her elbows. Then they beat the shit out of an anthill. Later, <laughs> home. Hey, honey. Dad, I made the best friend today. He's bad at soccer, but telekinetic, which actually means he should be great at soccer. Oh, your new friend knows magic? That's cute. You think that's cute? I had to find some broken glass on the floor and playfully put some in Anna's shoes. Anna's cool about it at first. Meanwhile, another little girl named Aisha, after the vampire Lestat's girlfriend, brushes her doll's hair. Taken down Aisha. Brushes her doll's hair and then watches her mom sob into a cupboard. Then Aisha hurts her foot somehow off screen. I didn't, what? I guess she was accidentally given Anna's shoes in a deleted scene. What? As a result, her cat loses interest in her and leaves. Anna can't, fucked it up. Aisha can't find her cat. Too bad she's not telepathic. Aisha and Anna try to hang out, but Anna's door is locked and they forget to try unlocking it. <laughs> you think between their superpowers, but anyway. That night, Aisha listens to her loud neighbors talk. Ryan Gosling wanders into the theater wearing only underwear that's labeled Ken. So, uh, remember when I played Stretch Armstrong in First Man? Um, this seemed like the next logical step. Uh, actually, I don't want to spoil my new upcoming role in the Mattel expanded cinematic universe, but get ready to have your minds blown. I really think this is the signature role that future generations will stare at on their phones and go, yep, Gosling. <laughs> Eventually, he finds the exit. The next day, Anna shows Ben and Ida how to sit on a swing and eat gravel. Ida shows Ben how to pinch Anna's leg. This soon loses its novelty, so Ben shows her some fun games to play with a cat with surprisingly little telekinesis involved, which Ida displays interest in somewhat longer than you'd expect. Meanwhile, Aisha and Anna make a sandcastle, kind of, on a hubcap. Then Anna shows them how long it takes her to get bored playing frisbee by herself. Hey, look, combined, we have superpowers. Watch! Ben uses his mind to throw a couple rocks at a bicycle. A superintendent comes out of the building. Damn it, kids, you see this sign? No abusive bicycle telekinesis unless it's a penny farthing. Now get out of here. Go keep ditching school. Ida finds the desecrated cat's body and seems surprised, but then realizes that Ben's still awesome enough to hang out with in general. They go to the stairwell place and try to guess what words they're thinking of. Banana. Fuck, okay, next one. I give up. What is it? <laughs> banana, banana. What's that mean? Two bananas. Fuck. Okay, don't say anything. This time I got it. Shh. Shh. Banana. No. <laughs> the word was ad astra, but they're all, yeah, great work since it's getting late. And the game's kind of dumb without actual bananas. That night, they all practice drawing sharks, but Ben's mom is not a fan. <laughs> then Aisha sleepwalks a little while Ben stares at us. The next day in the woods, they try a new word game. Fart. Fart. If I know Ben, this is going to be awesome. Watch. Ben is a turd. Ben is a... How dare you? How dare you? Not funny. What are you trying to say? 
Aisha slips and falls over. Then Ben and Anna stare at each other until a log explodes. <laughs> On the way home, Aisha's all, by the way, Anna, you can talk now. Anna's all, the splinter's biting me. The kids all laugh affectionately. Classic Anna. You want me to redo the Anna voice? <laughs> that night, either why is the splinter in your sister's leg? The glass was funny once, but... Mom, Anna can talk! Ida, please, she can't even unlock a door. Watch, Anna, say mama, mama, mama. Come on, mama, mama. With a little help from Aisha sitting outside, Anna's all... Mm -hmm. Then she tries to tell everybody that their kitchen faucet's broken. The mom's underwhelmed. But the next day in the sandbox, hey, you should check it out. Some more sand. Yup. <laughs> Don't worry, mom. We'll tidy up. The mom starts crying. She hates sand so much. Just like Anakin. Meanwhile, Ben watches his mom through a hole in a tortilla have a series of home alone kitchen mishaps. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ow, my hand! Why are you laughing? Ow, what? My face! Why are you little? Oh, my legs! Son of a... Oh! <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Aisha notices that her mom's head's bleeding, but the mom's all, yeah, it's always like that. Quit shaming me. Ben cries briefly over the fact that his mom was boiling an entire 20-pack of hot dogs, just two of them. Then tries to cheer up by putting a towel over her face. She farts awake screaming, but I guess dies again. Meanwhile, Anna, Anna, what's this? Toot, 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 toot. The dad's all, Jesus Christ, Mildred. <laughs> Fuck. Shh. Anna, what sound does daddy's butthole make after he eats some radishes? Toot, 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 toot. See? Anna, what's this? Dad's penis. And what are these? The dad's all, ow. Meanwhile, Ben's out of cat, so he kicks some rocks around. He comes home and raids the fridge while his mom lies on the floor. Then he rolls his eyes into his head. Meanwhile, a bearded man gets bored washing a cup. So he ambushes the bully on an overpass with a rock and kills him. The next day, Ida checks out the bloodstain and spits on some cars, but notices Ben staring at her as usual, so they hang out at the treehouse. Hey, look what I can do! Whoa, making me walk out of a refrigerator? <laughs> Can't wait till we're married. <laughs> Plus, you made me think that stick was a snake. No, the snake was all you. Wait, my superpowers? Freaking myself out with snakes? You think that's cool? Hold that stick farther away from your face. <laughs> oh, whoa, how fun. You should work for a lumber company or Cronenberg. You think that's cool? They watch a soccer game till a random kid who never bullied them trips and breaks his leg. <laughs> like maybe I did understand this movie. Beside me, Damien the Omen kid watches New Mutants on his phone. Aisha shows up. Ben, stop ruining soccer games. You're making us all look bad. I had money on that. Shut up. This is how I say soccer's played from now on. He force chokes her. But Anna shows up, so he runs home and sobs again. Just like Anakin. <laughs> that night, Aisha stares up at a building. Ida's all, Mom, can we go outside and kill Ben tonight? For the 17th time, not until tomorrow. Ida sighs, Sweden. What a police state. 
I'm all, hey, why don't you just sneak out? But instead, the kids just go to sleep and hope Aisha gets better powers that night before Ben murders her. Unfortunately, Aisha's mom mistakes her for Donnie Darko and stabs her. The next day, at Aisha's memorial, Ida's dad's all, Did you know her well, honey? Uh, the kid who cured my sister in front of mom? Yeah. <laughs> he tousles her face. Dad? What? <laughs> You'd never get possessed by Ben and kill us, would you? What? Honey, no. Ben wouldn't need to be involved at all. Tom leans over to me and goes, Mr. Mom. <laughs> Anna, Ida, and the dad trick a psychotic bald guy with a knife following them by closing a door in his face. He, he pounds angrily on it, raising his knife and shaking his fist. Ida's dad's all, hmm, that's odd. Especially the day after child murder. Oh, well. Keep walking up the stairs. Without Aisha to around a reminder that she can talk, Anna regresses so her vision's out of focus. On the upside, Ida's nice to her sister now, and all it took was three lives. <laughs> Mommy, what? If someone's a huge dick, can me and Anna kill him using our minds? Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Ida hugs her mom, then breaks open her piggy bank. Later, it bends. Ding dong. What? Ben, it's Ida. Hey, I uh, bought you this foam glider. What better way to grieve Aisha together? Oh, oh you really get me. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know it would be a great place to fling it up and then never see it again after one launch? <laughs> Over the freeway. Later on the overpass. Okay, Ben, here, you launch it. Now just stand on that precarious section there. Edge out a little more. Now lift one foot. Actually, can you even take falling damage if you're telekinetic? Oh, never mind. Actually, just stand over the freeway part a little more and not the grass part. I mean, hey, what are you doing? Stop pushing that evil kid. <laughs> Ida pushes Ben but loses track of time. And while waiting to shank the woman with some broken glass, a snake shows up. So she gets clipped by a car while Ben takes a nap. As it hits her, the car CG is all later, asshole. <laughs> beep, beep. Later in a Swedish hospital, Ida, a woman who looks strangely like me, said that you pushed the evil kid over the freeway. Uh, we were just playing. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I've never known you to commit a cruel act, so I believe you. At home, Anna draws poorly, and the mom cuts carrots while Ben stares up at their building. Suddenly, the mom grips her knife, and her eyes roll into red. <laughs> Ida's all, do what you want to Anna, and locks herself in the bathroom. <laughs> Ida, I have to go to the store to buy a sharper knife and a lockpick and possibly some poison. Um, how much do you weigh again? Never mind, BRB. Clunk. Ida hears the door shut, so she comes out. The mom and Anne are both gone. Ben and Anna stare at each other across the lake. Anna slips and falls. Meanwhile, Ida forgets how elevators work, so she screams so loud it breaks her leg cast and instantly heals her leg. Down at the park, Anna gets up. Ida appears and joins her. Ben's face is all, what the? A baby cries, sand rustles, a dog farts, a bunch of kids watch from the balconies as Anna and Ben stare at each other. Ida holds Anna's hand. Ben squeezes metal. Some sand rustles. Finally, Ben falls asleep on a tire. 
All the kids go inside. The one baby who was on Team Ben wails with misery. <laughs> Anna and Ida go home. Anna draws nonsense on her Etch-a-Sketch. The mom comes in, smiling cheerfully. Hey, another ambulance outside. Oh, how fun. Boop-a-doo. She doesn't notice Ida's leg cast is missing and that the leg is totally healed. Anna erases her gobbledygook and scribbles the end credits. <laughs> Tom leans over to me and whispers, let's adopt. <laughs> Kelly one, thank so, you. Yeah, that was a challenging one. The subtitle ones always are a little sketchy. So It's also one apologies. like with its own weird internal logic where absurd things happen because it's kids and right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, so, so did I, uh, you feel like I didn't screw it up. What was it like watching? Tell me real quickly what you thought of Thelma. Cause you and I haven't talked about it. I loved Thelma. I kind of liked it more because it had fewer cat deaths, which was kind of a bummer. I had to watch yep. two, a cat die twice. And then and then you find yourself wondering, like, hmm, so Swedish humane society laws, like, are they the same as ours? So real quick, I don't, I don't know, this, this may not matter so much to you, but uh, these are actually Norwegian movies. Oh. Uh, uh, Trier and Volk are, are both Norwegian. Uh, God damn it. And, and they're a real asset. I looked it up. Well, there's a lot of great filmmaking out of Sweden, uh, and I think it's important to recognize that what these guys are doing is very much Norwegian. Um, which well, pretend I'm not dumb for the okay. No, fair enough. But I didn't know if like you were just joking about the, the Swedish. No, I was an idiot. Um, which will happen. <laughs> so, okay. But, so I'm well, sorry, so I interrupted Norwegian. you. So, uh, are we yeah, at yeah. war with Norway? In Nor Norway, <laughs> we're very friendly with Norway. Uh, yeah. No, it's doing a wine. You were doing a what? I was doing a line from The Thing. Ugh. Let's just do the whole podcast over. This, whole, this is a fucking... I don't know what Are We at War with Norway is from. I did not catch that It's reference. from The Thing at the beginning. Oh, if you had gone, hey, Swedes, I think I would have understood better. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, very good. Yeah, those are Norwegians as well. The Norwegians are responsible for, for killing McCready and for making Thelma and the Innocents. Yeah. Killing McCready? Well, it's it's their fault that he dies. Well, they all die. I just pulled, I, right, right, I just pulled one, one name out. He's the most famous one of them. Also, so. he doesn't die necessarily. Come on, he dies. You know it. No, John Carpenter was going to say they had frostbite and and use and age him up because <laughs> the frostbite. Anyway, getting back to the horror <laughs> so, film so hand. You, yeah, I loved Thelma. I loved it. I loved the acting, and it had like you know, it had fewer kids. So it was just a different vibe. Um, they're similar though. I thought they were, they went well together ultimately. They're, they're definitely, no, I, I think they're, yeah, they're, they're very similar. Um, so real quick then, what would you say is an over and under for the innocence and, and what's, what's your overall takeaway on that one? I think my over for the innocence is Thelma. I think I liked Thelma more. Um, okay. I think it just stayed in my memory longer, but I really liked the innocence. It's a narrow squeaker. Um, and my under by a mile, <laughs> I don't, I can't, I don't do the over under the same way you do. Cause I just, to me, it's too hard to sure, do it. Sure. To bracket to it closely. No, I get yeah, it. It's too hard. And I also, my opinion on movies changes all the time. Sometimes I like, I mean, I didn't even like uh, Birdman until like two days after I saw it. Went, oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> Cause I watched so it. Really then, so then you're it. under by a mile. Under, is, then. under by a mile, sorry, is a uh, village of the damned. Right, right. Yeah. So that's lamer than this. This is the rich man's village of the damned. And uh, what? I, and, oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Oh. It's enough, Kelly, for now. <laughs> so I would put as my over uh, 
So one of the reasons, Kelly Wan, I, I, I love Thelma. Uh, I don't like The Innocents for reasons that, that we'll talk about. I think it's a brilliant movie. Uh, I think it's very well made, but I do not like it. And I have very strong feelings about it that we'll talk about. So my over and under are movies about um, children being evil. Right. So I think that's the basic point that he's making with The Innocents is, you know, children are assholes. It's uh, it's Lord of the Flies with psionics, psionics with with psychic powers, right? Um, so my over and under are other movies about evil children, and my yeah. over, uh, I haven't seen in a long time, and I actually couldn't even remember the name of it. Uh, so I had to look up. I knew I'd re- written a review of it it's from ten years ago. It's a movie called Come Out and Play. And it's about an American couple on vacation on a nice island, and I think it's the Caribbean. Uh, and they come to this island, and it turns out that it's remote and deserted because all the children have murdered the adults. Uh, uh. And the template for Come Out and Play is more of a zombie movie than uh, more than the Lord of the Flies thing that we get with the innocents. But it's the same idea. Is what if there were children who are running amok, who are powerful, and who were murderous? Uh, and I remember really liking it, but I haven't seen it in 10 years. So uh, I could be wrong about liking it, it more than you're under. You well, my remember. under is a movie about children being evil that I loathe with a passion. And I'm not even going to say the name of this movie, which is how much I hate it. There are actually a couple of movies like this. Um, <sighs> there, was a, there was a woman who uh, uh, kidnapped a girl named Sylvia Likens in the 70s and held her in her basement. And this woman with her family, her children – tortured this i think it was a foster child they were taking care of this girl in the basement named sylvia likens and this really happened um the woman was arrested and she her children were party to tormenting this poor imprisoned girl and a couple of really really gross sensationalist movies have been made about the event uh and i think they're horrific i think they are both i've seen both of them and i think they're without redeeming value uh and they're, they're trash. And the one I'm thinking of specifically has Ellen Page playing the child and Kathleen Keener playing the, the mother who torments her with her children. Catherine, uh, Catherine Keener. Very good. Yes. Uh, so that's my under the, these movies about the, what happened to Sylvia Likens. And it's um, not hard candy. No, it's not hard candy. It's, it's shortly after hard candy. Catherine yeah. Keener's Patrick Wilson did that movie. Right, right, right. There you go. Exactly. Wait, uh, are, are those movies both about super powered kids? No, no, they're just, just they're just they're, they're basically about the idea that if an authority figure allows children to be brutal and encourages it, yeah. then they will gladly be as brutal as any Nazi. That seems to be the idea behind the movies about what happened to Sylvia Likens. Is I that found children that to be true in my experience? Like just from school. I have no problem, Kelly, with movies about children being evil. I just think that using this real world event, oh, okay, which is really gross to watch depicted, uh, makes for just a very uncomfortable unpleasant viewing experience, regardless of the craft of the movie. And it kind of gets to my issues with uh, The Innocence. (laughs) Okay. Uh, In that I I just found this was a very difficult movie to watch, and that's why I say I didn't like it, not because I take issue with the craft of it. Um, I I think that the script is very well written. It's beautifully shot. The acting is phenomenal. These little kids are – like I I am constantly amazed at child actors – who do well, but these kids are like next level stuff. Right. And they have like, to do a lot. They have to turn on a dime. Incredible. They have to do an amazing amount. Yeah. yeah. And that, because the movie relies entirely on them. Yeah. Like Eskel Vogt trusts Non-verbal. these kids amazing. Exactly. Right. Right. 
So even though that I admire a lot about this movie, it was just such an unpleasant experience for me that on the whole, I, I, I just feel like I didn't like it. And I, there aren't many people to whom I re- would recommend it. Um, <laughs> um, well, I don't think it's trying to be pleasant. I think it's trying to be harrowing. Um, but I think the closest I came to breaking up with it was when they let Aisha go. It's like, what? It seemed like out of character for Anna. What do you mean when they let Aisha go? Well, they they didn't protect her, and they knew Ben was coming for her. Oh, well, they they didn't know what Ben. I don't think they knew that Ben could do that, though. Mm. Like, I I think Aisha's death is uh, Ben one. Like, it's constantly a matter of Ben surprising them. Like, they don't know the broken leg, and he's attacked Aisha twice physically by that before that. Right, right. But as far as possessing Aisha's mother and murdering her, I don't think they knew that he could do that, right? No. She told – he told well, right. he her said that I he can possessed convince, the bull. He said the, I can convince people. Right. And then and he did it she, to her. Right, right, right. But, that, but I don't think that they know that he can just range freely through the apartments and, and possess someone. Like I don't think they know that until Aisha dies. Huh. I'm not convinced, but okay. Well, the whole um, – It's a little – it's a gray area. <laughs> well, I feel like the arc of it is this is a movie about children discovering their powers. And I, I feel like the structure of the movie, especially compared to Thelma, uh, is a little bit um, facile. <laughs> I mean it's uh, basically children get super- kids. <laughs> well, it's basically children get superpowers and one of them has to be the good guy and stop the bad guy. Uh, right. Like it, 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 in a way – this stru- structurally, this isn't very different from an Avengers movie. No. Aisha's avenged. Well, uh, well, I'm talking about superheroes, not the act of avenging. But this isn't very different from any movie about superheroes discovering their powers and having to fight each other, right? Like right. That feels like it's sort of the template. Um, but at a kid level of reality, that, that feels like that's a template for what Eskelvogt is doing, I think. It seemed to me a surprising leap to find out to, to have it implied at the end that all kids are at least receptors of this kind of thing and not just they were a special quartet of kids. Like, oh, well, all, no, I, I think like by totally, that implication, the bully would have powers too because he has no, a lot I, I of think, appetites. No, I think clearly the, – the, I think the rule, Kelly, that they're trying to introduce, like the, the conceit is that Anna somehow amplifies other kids' Everything. powers. Yeah. Uh, and without proximity, proximity to Anna, nothing can get done. Like without proximity to Anna, Ben can move a bottle cap, but otherwise no one has any powers. It's their arrival when at this place, which is presumably largely abandoned during this period. It's their arrival where they realize that they that Anna is adding these powers. Like Aisha, I don't think can range around and talk to people. She's not an empath until Anna arrives. No, no, because I'm Aisha, saying. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, Aisha's mother is surprised at what she's doing. Like, I don't get the sense that Aisha has done this before. I don't get the sense that Anna or Ida have exhibited any powers before. That it's only Ben who has some kind of latent power, and Anna's arrival amplifies right. it. Um, right. I was talking about all the other kids who seem well, to be reacting to the duel. Right, right. And that, and that I think, is kind of a reveal. I, I, I get the sense that the conceit that Eskelvogt is building is that Anna is an amplifier and that the older children get, like that younger children are more attuned to whatever this weird psionic ability is uh, and can contribute to it. 
So the finale is Anna basically marshalling all of these children against Ben, like drawing from their power. And the younger they are, the more aware they are, which is kind of why the babies start crying. Okay. Basically, yeah, like exactly right. I'll Um, admit, I might like uh, the first time I saw this, I might have gotten some things wrong because I the first time I watched it, I I thought that Aisha's mom was insane. (laughs) They didn't realize the blood because I go, oh, that's real blood, and I've seen we've seen her acting weird in the cupboard. So when Aisha, it's like I didn't get the crosscut, like that he she was receiving Ben's mom's right head wound. And the second um, time I went, oh, it's uh, totally obvious. I watch these movies really big, Tom. So you're all you're all the victim, really, <laughs> listening to me. And I think too, one of the things we find out about Aisha is presumably her, her father has died, um, and right. that's why her mother's so upset. Um, okay, but that so, had nothing to do with Ben. Oh, something else I liked about it. And by the way, I think we have the same take on this movie. I just liked it in a hereditary way, and you didn't like. It, it, I watched it with mounting unease, but I was enjoying the unease. Like, ugh, these kids are awful. What's going to happen? Kind of. Well, I will say some of the things for me, like I, like I don't quite know what you were, like. What's the like? It just seemed un, it was just unpleasant vibes throughout. No, or? no, no, not all. Okay, I can totally explain. Okay. Uh, I feel it reminded me a lot of my my initial reaction after seeing. Um, a movie that ended up on my top 10 list by the end of the year. But if you recall, when we saw Dragged Across Concrete, uh-huh. um, one of my reservations about that was that it just felt too cruel. Um, <laughs> and and you're, like, you're, you're laughing at that, but, but I, I feel like there are – I don't are, remember you saying that. But, but, but that, like, that alienated me. It's uh-huh. just – it's blatant cruelty, which I feel was the point of the movie. Uh, so I had to watch it a second time and a third time. I've seen Dragged Across Concrete maybe four or five times by now, but each time it kind of lessens some of that sickening impact that I feel, and I can appreciate it a little bit more intellectually without reacting to it viscerally. Okay. So one of the things that I should confess about The Innocence is the first time I saw it in the theaters, it it was just really traumatic. Um, you know, I, I rushed out to see this just because I knew it was Thelma. the guy who had co-written Thelma and that he was directing it on his own. Um, I didn't know anything about what it was about. And I, did, I didn't know if it was a horror movie. Like I had just seen a little kid hanging upside down on the poster. Right. Um, so as the movie's cruelty manifested itself in the very first scene, Kelly Wand, uh-huh. when she reaches over and pinches her, her sister – Right, like that is really tough to take in your main character, uh, and it just gets worse from there. Like she, you know, the glass sequence, like that, that bit with the walking on glass, yeah. that was the culmination of another movie I love called Saint Maud. Right, is that sensation? It took Saint Maud a whole movie to work up to that. It was in the first fifteen minutes of The Innocence. Is having to watch Anna walk around on glass. And, and when I saw that in the movie, like I, I looked away. It was just really painful to think about, even though, you know, it's obviously she didn't have glass in her shoe. Well, and she um, has just a little bandage afterwards. Like, oh, it was just a little cut. Well, right, right. But, but like she would but, have been, she could have been parrot, like totally. But, well, you know, exactly. Like you could sever nerves or that. They right. could have done terrible da- damage. She yeah. got off lucky. But still just the cruelty in the main character doing that and being aware of it and watching it. You know, when Anna gets up in that therapist's office and is just like uncomfortable and, and walking around on her feet, like I think she knows there's something wrong with her foot, even though she can't feel it. And Ida is sitting there watching and studying her. 
Right. Like it's just this completely dispassionate attitude towards cruelty. Right. It's just incredibly difficult to watch in a character, in a main character, in a hero, in a protagonist. So when Ben pulls out the cat and they do the stuff with the cat like that, it's <sighs> just the, the here with the the cruelty the easiness to which the kids move to cruelty and how they are entertained by cruelty is yeah. literally sickening to me and it's hard to watch. Um, yeah. So also Kelly Wand, I wasn't sure if the actress playing Anna was really autistic and that, that was difficult to watch too until later in the movie when it becomes clear that, that she isn't. Um, but I even had some of that going through my head. Is this really an autistic actress? And um, so, uh. but here's the thing, Kelly Wand. So I watched the movie. It's really difficult to watch. I, I came out just with my stomach in knots. I, I recognized, yeah, it was really good. It was brilliant, but I didn't like it. When I watched it a second time last night, yeah. there was some distance from that, and I could appreciate more some of the things we're talking about, like how uh, amazing these children are, some of the intricacies of the plotting. The way uh, the story's told is really ingenious. So exactly. And so I, re- I like this movie now where it, like I don't know what to do with it. Like I, I, I admire this movie. I deeply Never admire this. Never want to watch movie. it again. Well, I kind of do because the kids are so amazing. Kelly Wand, I think too. Like that little actress playing Aisha with the yeah. vitiligo. Yeah. I you and I don't. Her. I've like I I don't know if this sounds weird to say this, but I think her face is beautiful. Yeah. And I, like I don't know if that like. I, like I, I just look at that beautiful little girl and I know she has to grow up with vitiligo and I just want to reach out and tell her, honey, you are a beautiful young girl. I hope you never let that bother you because it looks beautiful. like her face is so unique and beautiful. And when she's smiling, that pattern on her face with the vitiligo is part of what makes her beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I just loved that in the movie. And I love too that nobody comments on it. It's just there. Yeah. Um, well, and I loved her work. So you got to yeah. like the movie then. Because she got paid to do that, and and I hope that she acts more because she was yeah. really good. Both all of the kids, like the little girl playing Ida, by the way, who's Ellen Dort Peterson's uh, daughter. The, the the mother and daughter are real life mother and daughters, um, oh. and of course that was the mother from uh, Thelma as well. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that you know. Uh, Ellen Dorn Peterson's been around and for then a while. And I go, wait, dude, this is just every Norwegian mom looks the same. Am I? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's another, the guy that did, uh, his name is Ali Abbasi. Uh, and you remember that movie, Border? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I so do remember it. The guy who did Border, the movie he did before Border. This reminds me of that. Well, he did a movie before Border called Shelley with Ellen Dorn Peterson and a young Romanian actress uh, that you would really like, I bet. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but Eleanor Peterson, I, I think is amazing. And from, from Thelma and from this, and especially this with her own daughter, were like just watching the two of them together. is just really fun. Uh, and even that poor Ben kid, like yeah. he has to be, so, everybody who watches this movie is going to come away hating that guy. Yeah. And he was really good. Yeah. Uh, I thought that too. Cause in the beginning he smiled, he seems to be enjoying himself and having like fun with, I had to like playing. I don't know. Like he, he has moments of genuine innocence at the beginning, but well, it's all, it's all a ploy, but it's like, I think it's just the actor. And, and I, one of the, one of the really cool small acting beats that I loved is when they drop the cat and it crawls away down the hallway. Yeah. When he finds the cat and sees that it hasn't died, he's yeah. briefly happy. 
and you think, oh, he feels bad about what he did. Yeah. But no, you he later realize keep... he's happy that he still gets to kill it. Right. And yeah, which I mean, just that kid is so tragically broken. That that yeah. also was very, very difficult to watch is you see this kid and you think, ah, there's a nice young boy and he's making friends and I'm happy for him. And oh, wait a minute. He's he's an irredeemable sociopath. Why are you doing this to, to me, movie? Right. <laughs> Well, that's Ida's journey is going, oh, wait, I am, right. I'm Ben. Fuck. That sucks. I can't. Well, and exactly. And that Kelly Wan, too, I, I think is what Eskelvacht does best with this is showing the arc of Ida basically being rescued by either her admiration for her sister or something by her awareness of her sister. For whatever reason, it's her refusing to be Ben and standing with her sister Anna. Right. Like just that arc, that's a character arc that I really enjoyed. Going from tormenting someone who you can't understand, who's cut off from you, to a deeper understanding and and, and loving them and standing with them to fight darkness. Like it's it's a lovely superhero thing. And she also has in in Ida's defense, she's also huh? the one who has murder in her heart and is like the one who does try to take out Ben solo. Like we got to give yes. her props for yep. courage. Well, and for using and she takes a hit for it too. And, and yeah, and for using her cunning basically yeah. for good rather than just being right. an asshole kid. Yeah, right. Yeah, because Anna and Aisha wouldn't have been able to do that. But... It, it also kind of reminded me of uh, at times of Brick, in mm. that it's about these kids navigating this world with their own super sophisticated rules, like stylized rules. But then every now and then the adult world intrudes on them and they just have to be kids. Like just like reminded- Bugsy Malone, Tom. Oh, God. <laughs> you would go there, Kelly Wand. Mr. Mom. Show me on the doll where Ryan Johnson touched you, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Can I keep the doll? Uh, does Ida actually accomplish anything, Kelly Wand? Yeah, she kills Ben with no, she Anna's doesn't. help. Well, she helps. How? By holding hands with Anna and helping her uh, move sand. I'm, I'm actually, I, I actually don't know the answer. It's like I'm not sure. Like, does would this movie have happened? Like, could Anna have taken care of it herself? The, like, it's implied she can't. Because she doesn't. She doesn't tell Ida shows up. Wait, why do you say she do- – well, no, she does well, – no, no, she's but knocked Ida- over and Ben's walking away and then Ida shows up and then Ben turns around and then they and then it's back on. Oh, does she not get up until Ida runs to her side? Wait, that's not right. She does get up, but Ben doesn't care. He thinks it's over and Yeah, I, I don't away. think Kelly Wan, there's any inter- – She doesn't turn around till Ida shows up. He doesn't turn around at all. Like he leaves. He gets killed out of line of sight. That's the whole point too with the other kids. Like the other kids on the high rise are basically calling in spotting. They're targeting for Anna's psychic artillery. Um, No, I I don't think – like Ida goes to the top of the steps and she can't get down until she does whatever. Like I guess that's her superpower that she's going to get in the sequel or whatever. But she doesn't – she can't get down until she breaks the cast off and then once she's down – Anna is already standing and ramping up, I think, her like distance attack against Ben. I um, think it's heavily implied Ida's helping. I don't know where you're Ida is being supportive, but I honestly mm, don't think But she's think... just demonstrated powers that we've never seen before. So it's hard to credit that those aren't 
relevant. And that, that moment's not relevant right before that. So you think she can only do it with Ida there, that all the other kids who showed up from summer vacation. I think everyone's helping and Ida's, hel- Ida's helping and so are the other kids. So but Ida it, is basically like is, one one hundredth of the equation, Ida is? Maybe more than a hundredth. Like a so three one hundredths. Three no, she's like <laughs> twenty one hundredths. And Anna's sixty and the other kids are twenty. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> you know what I like? You know what always bugs me in other movies and this movie this is another reason I really liked it. I think is uh-huh. I'll get stuck on some little detail. And if it's like, if that's the if like, see, they did it right for once. Like that'll be enough to make me like a movie. Um, it really annoys me in Marvel movies when telekinetic characters raise their hands and uh, at whatever they're moving. Like, like, oh, you, need your, like you need to shoot it at yeah. your fingertips. Yeah. Right. Like you need your fucking hand up. Like that's so stupid. Like your brain and Anna just stands with her hands at her sides looking at stuff. Like she just, that's more badass. I feel like. So can I tell you one of the things like, I, I, I really want to like, I don't want to say, Oh, everything that Eskel looked does. It's good. He learned from Joaquin Trier. But I remember in Thelma, there was a lot of imagery, like nature imagery about her powers. Um, yeah. And Joaquin Trier uses the idea of the wind moving through the trees a lot. Uh, and even the wind over the water. Uh, that's actually a, a common element of, of, of creation mythology uh, is this idea of wind over the water. Mm. Um, and when I see that in the innocence, like part of me is like, dude, you're just, you're just borrowing from what Joaquin Trier did with. No, it's with the same Selma. mythos, and the mom's the same character. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's effective and it's beautiful. Like, it, it's a, it's an alternative. There's this idea, to, like, you know what the the fallacy of pathos is? This idea that um, oh, of course, Tom. Like, if your main character is upset, the weather is all stormy. Like, right. that's this idea called the uh, fa- fallacy of pathos. Is the the character's pathos is uh is superimposed onto the natural world. Like I like that's why Dingus got upset at it in education, right? And why the Sopranos. The rain really wasn't realistic, but yeah. but I like this idea though that rather than the wind reflecting, oh no, the inner turmoil of the character's mind, the wind is reflecting like these psychic powers that are being whipped up. Yeah. Uh, and what came through, I think, did well, those that are connected. First. And the, the innocence uh, is does that similarly, and I love how it's done, rather than what you're talking about with people like gesticulating wildly or furrowing their brows. Just this idea that psychic powers just involve calm and stillness right. and maybe a little bit of wind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But right. the hand is really dumbing it down. That's what a stupid person, if I may, I'm not a telekinetic, but if I was, <laughs> I think a dumb ass, the telekinetics who raise their hands are the dumb telekinetics that I would, they're the, they're the white trash telekinetics that we don't Do, do uh, scanners have to raise their hands? I forget. No, they stick their arms out and then the veins <laughs> pop out. But that's Isn't just that to show us hands? the veins. No, because they're not pointing at anything. They're just okay, showing us enough. the veins. Yeah. Right. It's not like a gun. It's not like they're using it to direct their powers. Good the, point. Uh, when the guy's head explodes in scanners, Michael Ironside's not even looking at him. So you don't even need to look at your target. And he's sitting beside him, like, but just kind of staring off into the distance. Man, we better hope that no kids get those powers. We're in trouble if they scanners do. Scanners is my other over for <laughs> the innocence, But... Yeah, I uh, I'm surprised you I'm surprised you got so emotional watching this. I don't know. I'm I'm really easy. for me. I've I've reached the age where I just can compartmentalize anything. And well, not emotional. I mean, it, it's not. It really was a matter of just like sitting there with my hands folded. And here's what it reminds me of. So Kelly Wand, 
uh, I watched recently a, a home invasion movie that a friend of mine recommended. Uh, and early on in the home invasion movie, uh, the family, it's a family with two teenage kids. And early on in the home, aid, home invasion movie, the home invaders just shoot the, two, the teenage kids. Ah. Now, once that happened, yeah. I kind of detached. I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those movies. That's right. what you're doing in this movie. That's fine, but I'm not interested. It's I don't care about it. It's what? And yeah, it's, it's junky. Like, it becomes junky at that movie. And it especially, it upstages everything that follows. Because once you murder someone's children in front of them, that's what your movie should be about. The movie doesn't leave room to be about anything else at that point. Well, and now certain things have to happen in the movie. Like, it's yeah, kind of a spoiler. The, and all the intrigue that the movie is going to introduce feels a little bit ancillary, and I don't care about it. And, uh, yeah. So... In this home invasion movie, I feel like it hit 11 right from the get-go, and there was nowhere for it to go. So I just disengaged and was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck you, movie. Do what you're going to do. I don't I don't like you. There was mm. something very similar with The Innocents where I'm really wrapped up in these amazing kid performers. But now it's in the service of watching them move so easily to cruelty. And I don't know that that makes me emotional so much as it alienates me. Um, uh. I don't want to watch – uh, protagonists who I love given over easy, easily to cruel behavior. Um, well, who did you? Well, Aisha wasn't, and neither was Anna. So you're well, rooting but the for that. Ida. Like Ida is the main character, and that, that like, and her and Ben. Yeah, and are she the, changes by the end. So right, 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 right. But but what I'm saying is, when you kill those teenagers early on in the movie, you've lost me, because now I've you like you, you've. You've basically said, okay, Tom, I'm just going to fuck with you. I'm going to kill these kids in front of you, and then we're not going to talk about it in the movie. So it's the same with like, uh, okay, you're watching a movie about uh, children who are so sociopathic that they will murder and torment animals. Right. At which point I'm like, okay, if that's the movie you're going to show me, whatever, but I'm detached and I don't like your characters anymore. Well, I don't know what kind of movie I'm watching yet. So I'm assuming it's going to be, oh, these kids are going to get – they're either going to turn against each other or they're someone else is going to be like, this has to go somewhere. There's a reason that's showing. Sure. Sure. Well, but what is the reason? Like, what would you say the reason is for the terror for making me like, what's the reason that Eskel for realizing that Ben is worse. <laughs> that's the, that's the message. There's, there's worse kids. There's truly evil kids. And there's ones that are on the fence. But I already like, I don't need to see the main kid do terrible things to know that. Well, you don't need to watch anything to know it. I'm just saying that's what this story is about. Okay, but I, well, well, here you go. I don't want to see stories like that. It's that simple. All right. I do not. I do not need stories to get me to like children, and then tricks me by telling me. And by the way, these children are irredeemably evil, or at least one. Wait, of them who is. was the kid? Wait, so you liked Ida till you didn't? Because she starts out evil. That's what like I'm saying. Should've... Yeah, but, you're, well, but you just said it's you're taking a character I like and then making them be cruel. It's like Ida's cruel. Well, with a protagonist, up. like what I was liking was the kid. Well, she might be an antagonist. Is the kid performances? Like I loved watching these actors. I didn't like watching them play people so freely given to cruelty. I guess is what hmm. I'm saying. But you'll but you'll watch a movie with adults doing that. Oh, easily, yeah. I mean, because that that's oh, part of the. the, the <laughs> no, no, don't don't you think that. You're the, this per- is the you who thought the dog in uh, To Light a Fire was an asshole. You didn't understand human nature. The dog, dog nature. in To Light a Fire? I don't even know what you're talking about. The Jack London story. Oh, 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 oh right, right, right. Yeah, like, the dog's an asshole. Right. 
like you'll take only certain types of behavior from certain types of beings. If it's a well, kid, what, do it you can't really be not evil. See, I mean, do you not see the difference between this movie and some other movie with killer kids? Like, did you see a movie, a French movie called Hills or Eden Lake? What about um, uh, what's the one with the um, village? The one with Dan. Sam Rockwell. On. One with Sam yeah. Rockwell and the evil kid, Martin. Or I don't know. Just do Village of the Damned. Let's talk about Village of the Damned. Like, do you not understand the difference between this and Village of the Damned? Like, Village uh, of the Damned is goofy pulp horror. Children right. of the Corn. Well, they're, they're aliens. They're aliens. Children kids. of the Corn. Okay. Goofy pulp horror. Yeah. Nobody cares about those children being cruel because it's a dumb horror movie. Right. This is not that. Right. So it's too good a movie for such base instincts. Actually, yes, I, I would say that's a fair way to put it. It's right, too well. well done, and it's not saying anything that I care to hear. Now, hmm. that's my that's on my first viewing, by the way. What I'm uh, talking about is just how I felt after my first viewing. I do think now watching it a second time, I still do think it's a little bit superficial because all that happens, like Thelma, and again, a lot of this is comparing it to Thelma. Right. Because Thelma has all of this amazing stuff about religion and sexuality and sin and parenting and, and coming of age and empowerment. And it's got all this religious imagery and allegory. Yeah. And, uh, this, I feel, is basically little more, structurally speaking, and in terms of presentation, than a superhero movie. Okay. Well, maybe I, I might have just approached it on that level. I didn't have Thelma. So this is why you think I watched him in the wrong order. Actually, if I'd watched him in the wrong order, I might have... I might have disliked Innocence Well, my, Yeah, my concern right. about watching it in the wrong order is I think that Thelma is a, a, a bait-and-switch. Uh, like I think Thelma is a movie that you're supposed to watch – that you watch and you're supposed to think it's about religious repression. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, you realize, oh, that's not what's going on, and then it becomes about something else. Like I think Thelma has that reveal partway through – where you that, that casts what you have seen in a different light, right? Uh, and there's a bit of a narrative gimmick in Thelma uh, that I don't feel the innocence doesn't really do anything like that. Uh, no, like the, but the innocence did prime me for expecting. Oh, and that's what I was going to say. Yes, yeah. if you see the innocence first, especially from some guy who's telling you, "Oh my God, you have to see Thelma and the innocence." Uh, but if you see then, the innocence yeah. first, then you know. Oh, there might be. Like then I think you might get an earlier inkling in Thelma that, oh, this is a movie about kids with psychic powers. But uh, it's harder to find Th – like the reason I didn't watch Thelma for so long was I didn't know it was a horror movie. Right. And if you'd said that – but it's also a spoiler, so I probably – that's on me, I guess. Is Thelma a horror movie? Um, that's, a, that's debatable. But I think when I, I put it this way, I called it a horror movie before, and you went, Yeah, I didn't mention, I didn't tell you. Like you were well, proud that you hadn't called it that. And that's part of the reveal, too, is I don't think you're supposed to realize until the end of the movie, if then, that Thelma is a monster. Like she is yeah. the villain. Um, no, I thought, I, okay, wait. Uh -huh. Let's talk about Thelma, because yeah. I might have misconstrued certain things. I thought that okay. was a happy ending movie. Nope. Well, it, well is okay, this why do you think nervous that? breakdowns? I thought she brought her back from the uh, thing she, she did focus. yes okay and then there now why does that dating. make a happy why does that make it a happy ending a happy ending for whom let me put it that way for Thelma for sure what about for Anya uh, she seems happy she seems happy does I'm Anya trying to remember love Thelma's powers <laughs> does Anya love Thelma she uh she did 
We only have a little to go on, so I would assume yes. Is Anya gay? Yes. Why do you say that? Because they swam together. That's so one, I, I that's think part girls of are into each other. Do. This is very much an interpretive thing, and I would. This is one of those things where I would allow for ambiguity. Like I'm not going to say no. It's subtlety, not ambiguity. Well, I, I don't trust. There, go ahead. Well, I do think there is some ambiguity about Thelma, but I do also think that the point of Thelma, by the time it's over, uh, is that she, everything her father did to protect people from her, has failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that she is now loose in the world and can do whatever she wants without any checks on her behavior, and she has unlimited power. I think the ending of Thelma is basically an apocalypse. Um, and I think she is a monster because Anya, when she meets Anya, and her father explains this to her, like that's one of the things I think you absolutely have to see Thelma twice. Maybe. Because because some of the things that are said early on in the movie, before you understand that she has these powers and it's not about religious repression, it's about controlling these powers, some of the things that her father says to her do fill in some of the backstory. For instance, does uh, Thelma made Anya fall in love with her? We don't have any evidence that Anya was anyone other than somebody who saw her have a seizure and then was friendly to her at the swimming pool. Uh, when Thelma looks through Anya's history, Anya clearly has a boyfriend. Um, so I think what we're supposed to infer is that Thelma made Anya fall in love with her. Hmm. Is that Thelma manifests whatever reality she wants. And when she was a child, that reality involved putting her little brother under a lake because she wasn't getting the attention that she felt she deserved. Um, You know, she murdered her little brother. Uh, So she has to be raised knowing you can have whatever you want, but you shouldn't use that power. Uh, So I think that the point of the movie, what we're supposed to infer from what her father says to her is that Anya never loved her. Anya was tricked into thinking like that's also there's sort of an ontological question here. Does Anya actually feel this love? And is she therefore in love or is it some trick? Like if Thelma makes Anya believe she's in love with Thelma, is Anya in love with Thelma? I don't know. We have no one else to go by. Well, but the point is, Kelly Wand, Anya does not have free agency in this equation. So Mm. at, at at, at best, Thelma is robbing people of their free agency. At worst, she is violating their free will. Uh, and just inventing reality and disappearing them, like when she freaks out during the, the sleep test. Uh, right. You know, she vanishes Anya f- to non-existence. Um, she can do that. Uh, but brings her back, and then she seems like she's still in love with her, and she's well. But she's she, not she murdered. Mad. She murders her father. Right. 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 Um, and but he was controlling Tom. But don't you feel he should have been considering what he was trying to do? I That's guess, the, but I think they – by that standard, they were stupid for not killing her after the baby. Well, I mean uh, exactly. Yes. That's like the that's point. That's on of, them. Right. That's the point of the very first scene is that when they're walking out in the woods, her father is going to fail right. to protect the world from Thelma. In the very first scene, that's what happens. In the end of the movie, the same thing happens. Yeah. It's about his attempts – to use religion as a way to teach her to be responsible, how they fail 
and how he really just the best thing he could have done would have been to put her down. And presumably that is what her mother wanted, by the way. Right. It's like Brightburn, huh? Oh, God. I mean, Brightburn wishes. <laughs> uh, I actually, now you make me want to see Thelma again because I really – So that, that's the thing. It's watching Thelma a second time because the first time you see it, all the stuff the dad and the mom are saying about – you know, when they call and they're concerned that she's not at a, at a lecture, yeah. it's not because they're oppressive. It's just they're worried that she's out partying. They don't know what's going to happen when she gets drunk. They don't know what's going to happen when she falls in love. You know, she's been homeschooled at home. He's been her doctor for all of her life. And this is a huge risk that they're taking to let her go away to school. So their whole thing about call me every day, it's not that they're being helicopter parents. It's that they're taking a huge risk letting her loose into the world. Uh, but we don't know that until about the halfway point. So when you watch the movie a second time, all of that stuff that looks like they're just hovering and being obsessive and uh, strict parents, like all of that makes perfect sense when you realize what's at stake. Yeah. See, I totally missed that. And I just assume I go, oh, they were religious fanatics because of her. Like they found religion because their their daughter's Christ slash Satan. So it's changed their... Philosophy. And that that might be what happened, but it like we don't know for sure. Like we actually don't. They might actually be devout Christians. Um, but keep in mind the things that they are saying to her, which are out of Christianity, are because of her powers, not just because she's a teenage girl who might drink and kiss a boy. Um, uh, they didn't really. You're right. They didn't. That's the thing. They prepared her so poorly. I missed that that's what they were even trying to do. Well, I, you say prepared her poorly, but what yeah. goes wrong in Thelma is the test. Um, when she is in that, that room being tested and the doctor tells her, look, open your eyes, look in the light, think of difficult things. Right. Like she gets pushed into accidentally destroying Anya. Right. Um, so we actually don't know if once that this thing with Anya gets resolved, like maybe religion will serve her well. And because she did seem to have subsumed it, like she has a great conversation with that guy, you know, that whole, hey, do you know, can you explain how your cell phone works? Um, you know, when she's talking about the paradox of religions. Um, right. Like she seems to have internalized it in a pretty healthy, thorough way. Um, so we don't know for sure. Uh and presumably but that's part we, of the misdirect, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. We think that the problem is going to be her parents are going to be horrified that she's in a gay relationship. But no, that's not the issue. The issue is that she's in a relationship. We don't know how she'll respond when her heart is broken, for instance. Like, what if Julia well, – I'm sorry. What if uh, Anya falls in love with someone else? Right. You know, Thelma could just say, nope, too bad. You're still in love with me and, and make it happen. Uh, See, I'm so dumb. I was kind of like you. Where you were like, oh, these kids are too cruel. I don't want to watch it. I was kind of rooting for Thelma and Anya, <laughs> like, because they seem like a really good couple. So when they were, <laughs> when she, at the end, there was like a nice reunion. I go, oh, good. That all worked out for them. Well, that, that, and that's how what came true shoots it. I mean, it is such a beautiful, and even, yeah. even the soundtrack is just so like wistful and slightly happy. And, and there are scenes of her just like looking into the beautiful trees and, it just seems like this happy, serene ending. Right. Um, uh, but I, I, I'm just glad you don't think it, it was just a nervous breakdown. Because after <laughs> the Black Summer debacle, 
<laughs> You've really, uh, I can't trust anything I see or hear. <laughs> Throw my Trump lunch at the wall. Uh, the, the bad news about um, Thelma is the uh, two things. So Eileen Harbo, the actress, I don't know why, but she's like she's on Norwegian TV now. Like she's, she's got a Thelma? TV series. Yeah, she's Thelma. Um, and that that actress, oh, Kelly Wand, I too just. Too good for TV. Way <laughs> too good for TV. Too good for movies. Like, yeah. I really get an Ingrid Bergman vibe from her. She's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is so gorgeous. Um, yeah. I like Daniel too. Man, they uh, the other thing. What uh, an embarrassment post, of riches that movie. I, I I think it's Norway. Just the people oh. in Norway are just gorgeous. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the poster for Thelma uh, when I saw it was uh, it was just a gray picture of Eileen Harbo's face with a dead bird over her right. eyes. Yeah. Which was really creepy. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the latest poster for Black it? Black Swanish. No, I've seen that one. That was the okay. One go go to IMDb and Google Thelma. And look what they've done. Uh, Thelma. All right. What? Do you see the what? poster? It's like she's going to ro- root for a, a USC Trojans game or something. <laughs> like she's got one half of her face painted yellow and the other's uh, like red. <laughs> what is Maybe that? Maybe they were trying to show off the actress's face more. I mean, I don't. That that when I saw or that the bird part, was getting too popular. Well, no, when I saw that, Kelly Wan, the first thing I thought was, oh, yeah, Eileen Harbo got a big role, and they want to put her face on the poster. Let me go see what she's doing. Right. But no, she's just on TV. But maybe it is that. You're right. But my God, that poster Thelma's is awful. the bird now. poster, so this has to be a new Von Trier, <laughs> Boggett, maybe, <laughs> to put in my collection. Are those the only two movies by this crew I need to Very check good. out no. and, miss and not understand correctly and go, yeah! So uh, they did a movie Dead called the, the Worst Person in the World. Do mm. you know about this? No. Let's take a commercial break and then we'll come back and I'll tell you about it. This episode of the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast has been brought to you by Kino Lorber's upcoming release, Murana. Winner of the Camera Door at the Cannes Film Festival, lensed by award-winning cinematographer Helena Luvart and executive produced by Martin Hugo Scorsese, Murana features a ferocious star-making central performance by Grazia Filipovic, the Bibicek, and the most sumptuous images of the Mediterranean since the Big Blue. Equal parts fiery feminist outcry and stirring coming-of-age drama, the film announces director Antonetta Alamot Kuzajabinik as a major talent in world cinema. Don't miss Murana. Only in theaters on July 8th. And we're back. Kelly Wand. Wait, wait. I was yes. going to say, film oh, yeah. is also a happy ending for the mom. Why do you say that? She can, she walk. can walk. Yeah. Uh, That's a good trade for widowhood, isn't it? I guess it depends on who you're married to. Look how happy to. she looks <laughs> when she's walking. All right. What were you going to ask me? Sorry. Uh, so the uh, Escalvote and uh, uh, Joaquin Trier uh, most recently did a movie called The Worst Person in the World. Uh, Trier directed. It's from a script he co-wrote with Vogt. Uh More recent which, than The Innocents. Yes. Well, Joaquin Trier directed it. 
Okay. Uh, Eskel Vogt directed The Innocents. Yeah. Um, it actually might have. Uh, no, no, it came out shortly before The Innocents. It was from earlier this year, at any rate. The worst person in the world. And I don't think you should see it. It's uh, hmm. the word I would use to describe it, Kelly Wand, is jejun. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I actually you had really a hate it. I had a conversation with uh, my friend Tony Carnavale about this because he loved it, and uh -huh. I, I did like some things about it, but I thought it was uh, just a little. Uh, I, I didn't. He doesn't like it. anything usually. And he, you're right, he doesn't. Yeah, but he did like that. Um, and with the actor from that, the, the main actress in uh, Worst Person in the World, Renee, her name is something like Renee Rensvier, and uh -huh. I'm sure she's Norwegian too. Uh, she was amazing, but the actor in it, uh, I don't. I didn't like him that much. And he's in all the other movies that Joachim Trier and Eskel Vogt have, have done together. Uh, they did one called like Oslo, August 12th. Or it has the name of like Oslo and a date. And there's one Where's called. Where's that set? And when? Well, I think, I think they're like coming of age movies about Norwegian youths or something. I haven't seen them. Hmm. Uh, and they did one English language movie with Jesse Eisenberg and Isabella Huppert called, it's called something like Screaming or screaming that louder than screaming i think it's called something like it at any rate i haven't seen Wait, any screaming of their... louder than screaming or louder than screaming there's something about louder than bombs in it screaming i don't know bombs in mind. it hold all on right, right. i have to look up the name New now order uh mr mom oh louder than bombs louder than bombs okay all right yeah, so it's Joachim Trier, Escovot, they did uh... – but anyway, they've, they've got a history of movies before Thelma that I don't think are anything like Thelma and the Innocents. Hmm. Um, so watch them. Uh, you're on your own with those, Kelly Wand. So they're not horror. No, I don't think there's any like supernatural thriller element. Wait, you said that. Thelma's not horror, and then you went, oh, it's an apocalypse movie. It's horrifying. No, I do feel I do think it's horror. I don't think you know that watching it. Like I don't think you you realize like Thelma could be I can see someone watching Thelma and thinking it's just a movie about the empowerment of a young woman, which it is. Uh huh. But I, I think the implications of Thelma are the stuff of horror movies. I think maybe after the Innocence it was kind of a it was sort of a romantic romp compared yeah. to the Innocence. <laughs> so maybe watching them in that order is good and bad in that. You'll end on a, oh, yeah, well, that's good if you're selling. Oh. I, I do look forward to maybe watching The Innocence again in like, you know, no. four or five months. What I've seen it twice. I'm never going to watch that thing again. And the I love it. Oh, but now, God, those kids were just so amazing. Okay, yeah, no, here we go. What are they going to show me I haven't seen twice now? I don't have good writing, bad writing for you, but I do have this uh, quiz. I'm bummed. Okay. Well, because it's all good writing, and plus, I don't know Norwegian. I that was going to be the fun challenge. It's like <laughs> right. Tom's what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the name of one of the young actresses, and you good have to name tell or me bad name. You have to tell me which character that person played. This should be easy. Oh, really? Will it? No, I don't know. Nat, okay, here we go. So, so we have. So to it's, it's good writing, bad writing for their parents when they right, name right, them. very good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we have Ida, Anna, and Aisha. Right. Right. I'm going to read a name. You just tell me which one of those three characters. It Wait, is. I know Ben. Well, Ben is Sam Oshroff. That's an easy one. He's uh, actually got only two names. All the people – I don't know if it's something about Norway, but all these actors – like there's four actors here that have among them like 23 names. Wow. I don't know why they all have so many names. All right. Here's one. Ready? Astronomics. 
Raquel Lenora Flottam. Who is that? Flottam. Oh, that's Anna. Raquel Lenora Flottam is Anna. Okay. Here's another one. Mina Yasmin Bresmith Ashim. That's got to be Aisha. Okay. And so Alva <laughs> Brinsmo Ramstad. That would have been the hard one if it was first. Uh, but obviously it's Ida. So that's Ida? Yeah. All right. So you actually got Aisha right. She is Mina Yasmin Bremzith Ashim. Uh-huh. Or Mina Ashim. But you uh, inverted. Uh, Ida is Raquel Lenora Flottam. Fuck. Oh, I thought you said I was right. So I... Oh, I didn't give you. No, I was just going to take your answers and then write them down and then tell you. Uh, mm. And Alva Ramstad. Is Anna. Is Anna, who is not autistic, of course. Uh, so Alva's Anna. I think I knew that, but I forgot I knew it. It's not fun playing with a stoner. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and Pick plus all this, three-year-olds. All the, but these words, like none of these words are English. I'm right? like Aisha and you're like Ben right now. Go on. <laughs> no offense, bro. <laughs> Wait a minute. How am I Ben? Because you're staring at me and <laughs> knocking me over by staring at me all the time. I can convince you to do things, Kelly Wan. Yeah. Kelly Wan. You know, now I want to kill a bully. <laughs> Could I convince you to watch uh, Thor, Love and Thunder? No, Love and Rocket. What's it called? Love and Thunder? You had it right. Tell everyone what you're reading to get them. Well, maybe I should save it for the podcast. Oh, okay. All right. All right. right. That's true. That's a big reveal. I've actually been very open with my friends about the fact that I'm reading comic books now. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I tell you someone loaned me a bunch of Miss Marvel comics? I did, and I haven't read them. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure the show's great. I'll never watch the show. I might read the comics. I think you're done for all of it when I gave you nice Thor to read. What if I told you? Yeah, tell me that- something about the Ms. Marvel. Oh, you haven't read the Ms. Marvel comics. Yeah, I don't know anything about the comics yet. What if I told you that Ms. Marvel, Aisha. the TV show, has uh-huh. points of commonality to the innocents? That doesn't surprise me. Well, there's kids in both of them, so that's all I could come up with. I'm assuming Aisha – see, she should have been Ms. Marvel. No offense to the actress who plays her. I'm sure it's fine. I'm a little uh, marveled Iman Villani, out Kelly Wand, is a name that you will be hearing in the future. I, oh, I is she She-Hulk? She- <laughs> Tatiana Maisley already has a name for herself, but Iman Villani is the girl they got for uh, Ms. Marvel, and she's just amazing. How is she related to Captain Marvel? Well, I don't they, in, in the, the show, show. I don't know. I'm only like the show's only got four episodes, uh, and they haven't given her her name yet. Everybody knows her, and I think it's kind of endearing because she hates the name. Everybody thinks that her superhero name is Nightlight. Oh, that's cute. That's a cute name. <laughs> but she hates it. Uh, yeah. oh. What if I told you that she had a super hot friend who looks like Marnie from Girls? Uh, I'm not falling for it. Not really, Allison it's Williams a Disney. I'll just look her up. I'm not going to watch the show. <laughs> you don't, you don't care about how she is as an actress. Okay. <laughs> well, not on that. I don't want to watch Disney anything. Disney Plus? What's wrong with you? Fair it's enough. the worst use of my time. Fair enough. Uh, you did watch Bull, however. I love Bull. Although, but I love Bull. Yeah. How can I not love Bull? Okay, so here's He's another- a lovable character. <laughs> here's another evil kids movie and I watched. And yeah. Oh, and Dashcam, yeah. So Bull relates, though, to an evil kid movie I want to tell you about. Uh, Paul Andrew Wal- – no, Williams. Paul Andrew Williams, who uh, wrote and directed Bull, he wrote a script for a movie called The Children. Uh, I, don't, I don't guess you've heard of this, right? No. It's pretty What's obscure. that about? Uh, it's a horror movie from about five years ago. Uh, did you see the horror movie Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair? No. 
Kelly Wand, why don't you watch more movies? I never have heard of that movie. I'm not convinced it's real. Uh, Brian Taylor, who wrote Nick and directed Cage the, and Selma Blair. Brian Taylor wrote and directed the Crank movies. He then did a mm. movie called Mom and Dad Mr. With, Mom. Nick C- with Nick Cage and Selma Blair as a mother and father. And this movie is about a zombie apocalypse that makes all parents want to murder their children. Uh, and it has your name all over it, Kelly Wand. I cannot believe you have not seen Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. So the inverse of that is this movie that Paul Andrew Williams wrote, directed by someone named Tom Shankland, uh, called The Children. And that's a zombie apocalypse movie about children wanting to murder parents. So on the subject of killer children, The Children, I, I recommend. And Mom and Dad, I can't believe you haven't seen so that. So it sounds it's like nuts. a good double feature It's a great for the whole double family. Feature. Yep. Like everyone gets a piece. Rated G, exactly. Bring the kids. Right, yeah, exactly. It's not it's personal. It's a new no-mobile, no deposit, no return kind of vibe. I don't, I don't get that reference. Oh, Dingus. <laughs> I mean, What's you're the, great. <laughs> I don't, what, is that some 80s comedy that I should know about? <sighs> sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. I'll accept it. Accept my bluff. So I should watch the children first, then the innocents, then mom and dad, then mom and dad save the world, then, then uh, bull, come out and play, then bullshot, then, then uh, worst person in the world, worst person in the world, Thelma, <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Go back and rewatch Dragged Across Concrete, and then you'll be ready. Oh yeah, Dragged Across Concrete, another cruel movie. Well, Kelly Wand, I'm ready for some love next week. Yeah, let's let's elevate things with some lighthearted fun. But let's not let's not depart from the Nordic milieu just yet. Uh huh. But let's, let's do a bigger budget. Yeah, um, something with a budget, in. maybe with some CG. How much CG? Mm. How much CG are we talking? You know what? Let's let's, let's let, negotiate this part. Let's, let's let Taika Waititi decide. I feel Aww. like I, I feel like I can trust him. Hmm. He has cool new hair. Did you see that? I have not seen his hair. Why would I know about his? Is it? Oh wait, why would I? Is he in the movie? Carpet matches the drapes. No. I saw him talking about Thor on something. Oh, like some interview. Okay. I, I wouldn't even know what his hair looks like normally. Didn't you see what we do in the shadows of the movie? So I recall he had black hair. What's what's new and cool about his hair? Well, now it's gray, but frizzier, like Einstein's hair. Oh, oh okay. No, I like that. Like you know, I tell you, get Waititi, like, I, I imagine he... Him looking uh, frazzled, I, I approve of. I, I bet right. that look would suit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much better than dressing up like Hitler. By the way, I don't need any more of that. Oh, did that movie? <laughs> did that movie trigger you the way the innocents did? <laughs> that cool movie triggered kids, me like it, Nazi but in all, kids. No, no, that movie triggered me in all the good ways. Oh, okay. Like that movie was like everything. Like that was the opposite of giving me a. That's all invasion movie where the teenagers live. <laughs> I wish every movie could make me feel the way that Jojo Rabbit made me feel. Aww. I wish every movie could make me feel the way Thelma makes me feel, but not the movie. The character. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, Annie, 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 Kelly One, let's go oh, yeah. think about Eileen uh, Harbo for a week, and then let's All come right. back and discuss Thor, Love, and why do I want to say Love and Rockets? What is that even from? Uh, it's a band, which is just like New Order, Tom. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you see a pattern here? I do. I have to stop listening to so much music. Tom is one of the three parts of that pattern. (laughs) In a week, we'll come back and we will talk about uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder. Hmm. Uh, I am Tom Chick, and I've been here with Kelly Wand, and we'll see you guys in a week or so.
Tom, remember when Jason Voorhees fought a telekinetic kid? That was so scary for him. Wait, what? That never happened. Yeah, number one? seven, the seventh one. Oh no! Once you get once you get past four, they're not canon. Oh, anymore. there's only four. <laughs> yeah. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oragai Six. Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Tom, it's me, David Cronenberg. Look, I made some kidneys out of marmosets. Marmalade. Long live the new flesh, Tom. If this podcast was closed captioned, it would be a book.